You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Uh, all right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. And for this, which is our first episode of, well, second episode of 23, yes, was going to be our last episode of 22, but holidays, delays, it happens. It happens. Sickness. So, 2022 in review. Mm-hmm. How terrible was it? That's today's episode. Yep. So to start out big, uh, people might forget that at the beginning of 2022, Feb in February, the Alta Fox kerfluffle happened. And that was basically when a chunk of investors said, Hasbro, you are inept. Your, bl- your brand blueprint is terrible. You need to stop squeezing blood from the stone that is Watsy and figure out what to do with your brands and your internal divisions. And from there, we got a handful of infighting at Hasbro while outfighting against Alta Fox, saying, no, you are the ones who are inept. And then as the year moves on, we see an economic collapse into the holiday season and a Q3 earnings call that proved Alta Fox right. It serves as a notice that we really should upcycle the fact that eight months prior, we were told that Hasbro had no idea how to run this organization and the earnings call and subsequent brand blueprint v2 continued to kind of demonstrate this in the year 2022 yeah it's uh we did a multi-part episode about it that's how important it was uh and i'm not trying to give you any spoilers or anything but it turns out everything they said was right yes it happened exactly as expected especially when it comes to entertainment one the entertainment division that we spent, I think, the majority of an entire episode discussing yeah. <laughs> that Hasbro bought in 2019. Revenue dropped bad? on that by 35% year over year. They cited the fact that there was no Peppa Pig movie or whatever came out, uh, My Little Pony thing, in 2022 like there was in 2021. And then instead of operating at a profit, this year it operated at a $30 million loss. You know what would have helped? A magic Netflix show. Which was also announced in the year 2021 and I think continued discussion in 2022. And we have it in this episode to discuss because nobody's heard about it since midway through the year. And if Hasbro is going to be cutting their losses on the entertainment division, which seems might actually be the case, or they might be shifting focus to brands that they know have a shelf life for the consumer that isn't just game related they've got the transformer stuff peppa pig whatever power rangers they can just quietly push the magic netflix series under the rug and hope people forget about it don't put additional loss on entertainment one yeah. now coupled with this is the economic downturn that we've been discussing almost all year long that hits hasbro a little interestingly So I tried to take a lot of time before the episode and try and figure this out. And the best we could come up with, when you take a look at the stocks graph for Hasbro, starting on September 12th, 2022, there's just this basically headfirst slide into 
a November rebound. And that slide comes in two parts. The first part is just generic consumer sentiment in total and inflation. So things that are out of their control. Then on October 20th, there's another sharp dip in this slide after a little bit of growth because of the earnings call for Q3 that was serendipitously timed with the announcement of the A30 packs at Vegas. And as we discussed in that episode, they are correlatory but not causational. So what happened was us out here in non-investor call land saw that announcement in the stock tag. We're like, holy crap. But for those who were on the call, it was actually that call, the one I referenced on top, the one we referenced in the episode where they discuss brand blueprint V2. They discuss seemingly making revenue from nothing. Their numbers for revenue are very aggressive, and that tanks their price because a number of people just did not believe. Now, it tanks, it hits some people's threshold, they buy in, and the thought that this is a toy company, the stock is going to go up into the holiday season, and I'll just ride that out because it's going to keep going up. But that does not happen. They continue downturn, they continue, like, malign of this company continues forth with the double downgrade right that's what happened we saw the double downgrade and the the stock continues to tumble through the holiday season it drops to about 56 dollars at a low on the year again hits triggers people buy in it balloons and the thought again is it's the holiday season how could this company not see an upturn and continue on well it continues it crashes again after a high on December 5th of $63 down to $55. And on uh, that is December 19th. And now we are just kind of floating it along at about a $60 clip. This is where we are at uh, basically closing bell today, January 2nd. Who knows what's going to happen on the 3rd. But that's what the economic downturn did to Hasbro. This is basically what AltaFox pointed out was going to happen, where you have no good revenue streams, it's all loss, fix it, and their idea of fixing it led to a further crash. That's the. F- this is the first thing that happened in the year, and it's a continuing thread. Yay! Also was doing the- a bang up job. Yeah. Also in there was the col- uh, the collapse of the the uh, crypto, a number of. Uh, trading houses went down. That takes down a lot of uh, blockchains. Some NFTs are yep. no longer usable. Blah, blah, blah. It's very difficult to move that money into magic cards, which generally sees a little bit of float when you have an event at Vegas. And so, you know, we, as we discussed in those episodes, comparing the stock market to the, the crypto and NFT market, without that kind of swing, that kind of float, you won't see that on the stocks graph for Hasbro, but you will see that on the price of cards overall. And we didn't see a, a lot of the same kind of float that we would normally expect. These markets do move in parallel, and when people can swing, they will. But yeah. when things go from uh, one to zero, it's very difficult to take zero and do anything with it. So that did play into it. We just want to roll that in. Now, something else AltaFox pointed out, and something that Hasbro called out, in the latest investor call is the uh the set release issue you want to cover that one yeah uh I'm, I'm gonna quote here uh there is no evidence that we're overprinting magic the gathering as a product 
Just remember that from the fireside chat. Uh, so there's a graph you've all seen a million times. Uh, it was circulating on Reddit, everything else. And it's literally 30 years of magic products spread out. Look at this graph and look at 22. So this year, yes. there is something at the very bottom that's very small, but it's noticeable. And it's the secret layer drop number. 48 plus in 2022 secret layers came out in 2019 and according to wizards of the coast then and you can still look up the original announcement it is going to be a periodic release designed to help the market that is going to be special and scarce that may have been the case it's not anymore no. uh, if you were to average out all of the set releases in paper so not count the digital releases just count secret layers booster products supplemental yep. commander products whatever uh, you end up with a new set release every 4.8 days. There's a reason we've been in spoiler season for basically three whole years. Because you get a new product every 4.8 days. This was something Altifox call, or called out and they said, hey, look, you're devaluing your product. Does Take a look at the value of singles. And there's two eras to look at. Look at immediately prior to Ikoria and look at after Throne. Or, sorry, yes, after Throne. after Throne. So when we have collector boosters start and when we have normal products. And there is a little bit of overlap between the Throne and Ikoria. So I mentioned specifically because that's kind of where the big divide is, is in that window. Uh, if you look at the overall value of the product, it is awful now for singles compared to what it used to be yep. uh if you look at the prices of sealed it's up if the price on sealed is going up and the price on your singles is going down you're probably making too much of it stop you know anecdotally and sure anyone that's been in an lgs has had this conversation recently how many people do you know that are like eh, i just don't want to play anymore there's too much stuff it's too hard for me to keep up with i just want to like print off the cards i want and play them mm -hmm. Not endorsing by any means, but if anyone's on Reddit, I'm sure a lot of you are, go to the bootleg MTG Reddit and literally just watch the population count go up every day. They've seen like a 50% increase over the last eight months yeah. of people that are in the bootleg MTG subreddit, and it's literally people dedicated to fakes. Yeah. Just, hey, let's uh, try to get what good fakes we can. Let's try to, you know help this out where are the best quality what do you guys print from what's the most affordable way to do it that's insane there's too many mm -hmm. there's too many cards i don't understand it but hey here we go and also in here you touched on the secret layers uh, we, we had this bullet point this, this is truly a time when the variation machine Kicks off. off. Yep. Yeah. We have, you know, 46 secret layers the year before. <clears throat> we have 48 this year combined with a number of reprint sets all yeah. over the place. A master's set the year prior that's still kicking. We have one coming up. I guess it's 2023. It's announced. Was it pushed? Was Dom remastered? Was it pulled or was it pushed? It was pushed back. Okay, so that might yep. have been a, that might have been a 2022 release, and we we saw reprints in uh, Brothers War. We saw the, I mean, you can't really consider yep. the Legends inserts in Dom U. Yeah, 
we have uh is it Uma two or whatever? Or not Uma two. Something 2X2, like that, I think, yeah. Two uh quad masters. And we see full force Watsy running headlong into just reprint reskin. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But mm-hmm. the there is a problem with the quality of the items that they are producing still and there's a problem with the quality of the items they are choosing to reprint as well then they are just scatter shotting whatever they want yeah. they continue to put out land secret layers which are i believe historically the worst selling secret layers they put out three transformer secret layers and if you didn't look at them previously, all you needed to know was one of them contains three cards, and one of those cards is Blightsteel Colossus. The other two cards don't really matter, and the other two secret layers are useless, similarly, because they're not Blightsteel Colossus. Chris Martin did a great write-up, and I linked it in the podcast Discord the other day, yeah. of all the secret layers that are currently out, including um, Just Add Milk, uh, Galta, Atali, and the Moneymaker... Ulamog, the Seathless Hungerer, another great example of a three-card secret layer where one of them is Ulamog and the other two don't matter. Yep. So you're going to buy both of these secret layers for the one card and turn around and make your money on that one card in perpetuity because Blightsteel Colossus and Ugin, or sorry, Ulamog, until they're printed into the ground, yep. will maintain their value. Everything else is a wash. It, it it's, it's a non-necessity. We've discussed that people like playing the skins that they like it's how other games work it's how those microtransactions work but you can buy one skin at a time you can loot box your way to it if you want usually yeah secret layers aren't a loot box they are a dedicated box and it allows you to reskin a small portion of the game alternatively they could just print the cards that matter you could buy them from the shop directly there are a lot of alternatives that don't involve printing 48 secret layers a year i'd venture a guess and say Almost 40 of them don't matter. Yeah. Uh, Mystic Remora, Ristic Study are the other two cards of note that I can think of this year that come from Secret Layers. Yeah. After that, I'm remiss to come up with another Secret Layer overall that's worthwhile. There's some announcements, like the cat one that's another cat one that's coming up, but I think that's yeah. in Philly. Yeah, that's the Philly one. Yeah. That's cats, yeah. But, like, why? Why, why do you. Why do you need 48 different secret layers, the majority of which are useless? You want yeah. to reskin the game, you can do it in Master Set. You can do it like you did with Dom, you, and Brothers War. You can do the and all the other sets that have full art and alt art. You can do it in those packs. And yeah, it does muddy the waters at a pre-release, etc. But like you could also print the product differently for those. Yep. You make the kits, you bundle the kits. Yeah. Don't put full art and alt art cards in the kits. I don't know. Look, it, like... There are solutions, and we aren't the people that they hire to solve these problems. But at the end of the day, the variation machine really kicks into into gear here, and they are just going hog wild with it. I don't expect it to stop. Yeah, uh, it's it's not looking good, uh, especially because they literally announced the all will be one or whatever. Yeah, we're getting like fourteen variations in the next set of some of the mythics, like. Yeah, the collector booster box only stuff makes it kind of unique. I like that treatment as opposed to secret layers. Like, that's fine. Give people something interesting to do with their money when they buy a really high-end product, a pack. Cool. 
because it's cards in the set, right? Those cards can yeah. matter. They can matter for Commander. And I know the same argument can be applied to Secret Layer, but at the same time, that is a set. It is self-contained. They have all the art for that. They're not literally picking cards from the back catalog of Magic to put Brain Freeze in a Secret Layer. Right. I'm like, cool. It's got, is it like Legends of Arcana or whatever the League of Legends thing is? Art? like Something like that, yeah. Hey, what 38-year-old is that embedded into League and played Alluren or High Tide? <laughs> yeah. Like, I can think of one person, and I do not think they play Magic yeah. anymore. That's it. And it's just one person that plays High Tide. I don't even know if they are interested in League, but that is the only person I could think of that would care about this alt art brainstorm or brain freeze. Like, no, is... and feline uses alters, so it doesn't matter at all. Yes, but they do their own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a number of my cube cards are from feline. I commissioned a bunch of commi of cards. Yeah. Like, so I don't get it. I, I just, I, I, I don't understand that. But again, we're not the people here to solve it. Uh, thankfully, as the LGS and the vendor, we have to deal with that on the back end side of things. And you can listen to Ben Blyweiss tear his hair out about that. That is a good window into that world of what's going on with all these things. And I know he mentioned it every set release. Follow Ben Blywis. He is a treat. He is. He's great. Uh, Can't recommend enough. And if you have the chance, buy any tinfoil hat he tries to sell you. Because it happens like once a year. Now, yeah. speaking of Ben Blywis, this was an unintended dovetail. We're going to move into OP, starting with Star City events. In 2022, Star City came back a little faster and a little harder than they did in 2021. And we basically looked at that as the kind of herald that organized play can make a comeback in paper. You can start having large events, a tournament series sponsored by Watsi, sponsored by somebody else to push you into larger events. And this is all before the actual Watsi stuff happens. We're just looking at Star City, right? Where they're running one or yeah. two events. I think we said one or two a month into the summer. Then they slow down a little bit because people are on vacation and they know this. They have the data so they can pull back. You move into the fall and the holidays. Again, you, you pull back a little more because you're not seeing a lot of people. So you do one a quarter. You do command fests. You start syncing up with set releases. Yep. Star City in 2022 essentially heralded the fact that you can now bring back OP. NRG was making a run at it, but NRG isn't the kind of TO that SCG was. NRG is a brand for like the Midwest-ish, I yep. think. And those yeah. that followed players from the Midwest on the Star City Tour... But it really is the Star City events that show us in 2022 in the beginning that like, hey, we can run events in cities where there's a marathon happening, where March Madness is happening, and people will come out and play our events. Yeah. And it's it was kind of nice because, and we even mentioned this on the episode where we talked about OP and Star City coming back, is that, you know, we kind of expected star city and someone else to kind of be the test cases for wizards of the coast yes because they didn't necessarily want to have the risk exposure of organized play and they kind of wanted to feel things out for how they would be post-pandemic yep uh and i guess it was good enough that while when they came out of the gate like you said they came kind of hard with star city and they were doing like two a quarter and now we're down to one a quarter uh but you've started seeing stuff like tcg con pick up uh, like Collecticon has started to yeah. fill the void. And now Wizards of the Coast finally said, well, you know, we hired Huey for this thing, so maybe we should do something with it since yeah. we're paying him. Yes. 
and we started getting RCQs, mm -hmm. which at first were very confusing, uh, and then were just relabeled PPTQs because it qualifies you for a regional event. Yes. That then qualifies you for the World Champs or Pro Tour or something. Uh, and that kind of, they announced that, and then they very neatly afterwards decided, hey, we're going to do a Magic 30 event. Mm -hmm. And now we have, we had DreamHack, which was where the Pro Tour was, mm -hmm. which qualified you for World Championships. And now we have Magic 30 Philly, because don't forget, guys, it is a year-long celebration of Magic's storied history, most of which Wizards of the Coast was responsible for without Hasbro. Oversight. Anyways, uh, as a celebration of that, we're getting another one. Yes. And they teased a little bit more information about what's coming up with the Pro Tour. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to see this kind of, like, subtle, slow movement towards, okay, guys, we're gonna we're gonna bring some of this back. Yeah, let's let's see what we've got here. Let's let's go for it. As far as OP is concerned, it did take a while to get there, like you said, and it was a little goofy to try and figure out how you were gonna go from regionals or nets, effectively, to worlds, and that is still forthcoming. That information. Previous yeah. worlds happened at Vegas. It was there. It was a footnote on the event itself, and now we have Philly, and. You mentioned the the market, the the copy around Philly, and something that else that happened with Philly, and I believe we we mentioned this was that it was pointed out by at least uh, Amy the Amazonian that shortly after Vegas, the marketing copy around Philly changed, and it changed from being the same virtual verbiage that was around Vegas to something a little more closeted, and eventually that opened up a couple of weeks ago when we found out that. The first Mythic Championship, the first Pro Tour back, effectively, is going to be at Philly. Yep. And it came with a great teaser video of some of the stuff you saw in Vegas, a lot of the props, etc. And the way it reads is that they're basically bringing the show that was at Vegas to Philly. And now the Pro Tour is going to become yep. a convention like it was meant to. This seems like it is. we are finally moving into an OP system that Watsy kind of imagined right before we got into COVID. Like we spent a lot yep. of time that summer, you and I talking about going from like DC, which was the modern horizons or sorry, Detroit, which was Dominaria yeah. into DC, which is modern horizons or vice versa. And then Minneapolis and Vegas is Vegas. So you set that aside and Minneapolis yeah. through all of that was the only one that actually felt like a convention of the three that weren't Vegas because yeah. there were a there's a little bit of paneling going on the way the side events worked was uh, really interesting compared to the way the main worked Oathbreaker was there there were a number of pa like magic parallel organizations there yeah it was it didn't quite have the pomp and circumstance that they give to vegas and that philly will have or even when they did was it pro tour battle for zendikar at pax west yeah and they had all the cool eldrazi stuff outside the the event on the street yeah it it felt like they were getting there but they weren't quite ready and it looks like if philly turns out to be what the sizzle reel is shown to have that's where things are going it looks like they're finally getting ready to say that hey you know pro tours are back they are conventions they're not just for players come out yeah. and celebrate 
the game with us and the players and you can watch people play this game on <laughs> somewhere on site instead of just the little seating area for competitors that, uh, that yeah. have been knocked out. And that's kind of where really we, we end the year with has. I know we, there are some threads that kind of moved all year, like the Alta Fox stuff, the, the stock, yeah. the stock prices, but this OP announcement is really kind of the, the bookend for year 2022 in regards to Hasbro and where things are. And so far as the vendor and LGS ecosystem are concerned, I think I'm I'm in a worse place because I have to figure out how to deal with all these fucking variants in my yeah. system. <laughs> right? I got to price them. I got to skew them. I got to buy list them. I got to do everything about them. I got to figure out what I'm going to do with shows. It is not fun. No. It is a continuing headache, and I think it only gets worse. And it's like, uh, it's not Robert Duvall, but um, whoever plays for, in basketball, the owner of the other team, who's just yeah. like, ah, the entire movie, just like head in the vice. Yep. That's what I am as a vendor. That's where I am. It, like, Again, Aaron Blyweiss, he is very open about this, and it is very similar. It is, every set is a new puzzle to solve, and it is unnecessary. Yeah, there there is no reason that it should be this difficult for a vendor to do their job at the fault of the manufacturer of the product they're selling. Yeah. You are deliberately making it harder. And the only solution is literally to be worse for the customers that most vendors are taking and it's look i don't want to buy list cards i don't want to buy secret layer cards i don't want any of this garbage it's bad yep. i don't want it people just don't buy it from me so i don't care yeah. and that's a real big feel bad for both people in the transaction everyone involved that's bad mm -hmm. yeah the only reason i want to tell somebody i don't want to buy something i know i could sell if it was a different version is because it is poop quality yeah you know if you come to me and you have a foil brain freeze from Scourge, I will buy the crap out of it. That secret layer one, pass. Yeah. Pass. Scourge no, one all thank day. Because people, every, yeah. that appeals to magic players. That's don't what want I want. It. I, don't, I do not want that, that secret layer one. Yeah. Do you have anything else about this year? Uh, no, the sky is falling. Everything is terrible. Yep. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, move on to picks. Yes. All right. I'm going first because yes. I said so. That's my reason. Well, speaking of too many variations, too many reprints, the sky is falling. Mana Vault. Yes. Uh, so, on the surface, I picked Mana Vault because we're at the lowest point we've been since the all-time high. Now, granted, it was printed in 2x2. That's probably why. That's fine. Right now, we're looking at a low of around like thirty-ish dollars. Uh, well, a few months ago, it was thirty to fifty dollars on a buy list. Now, the interesting thing about this is if you zoom out on the stocks graph, uh, and I believe we are zoomed out to about the same point, you and I. Yep. Uh, you'll see a massive spike. Last year, it's in like March, April. You'll see a massive spike the year before. That's eh, in like April, May. But if you look back further, and this is where it gets real interesting, in 2018, we see the first, like, jump on this card. Guess when it was? April. So, granted, 
there was a lull year in between there in 2019. We didn't really get a jump. We got kind of one in like May, June-ish. But we're at an all-time low for a card that is increasingly seen as a staple in EDH. We just got a massive reprint of it in 2x2 with, I think, like 43 different variations. We'll go with 42 because it's the answer to life, love, the universe, everything. Uh, but 42 variations in Double Masters, which really cratered the value on this card. Mm -hmm. Now... This provides us with a good opportunity to buy in. Uh, at $30, well, I originally, when I picked this card, was looking at about a eh, six, seven-ish month turnaround right before fall. School gets back into session. People mm -hmm. start playing again, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but based on what we saw historically, the turnaround may be a little bit quicker. It may yep. be like three to four months that you can actually start turning something on this. And while I don't expect the sudden spikes that we saw in 2020 and 2021 because stimmy checks existed then and they don't really right now, mm -hmm. uh, I would fully expect to see this card tick back up to like the 45 to $50 range within the next couple of months just based on historical trends. Plus, you know what happens every March, April? Tax returns. And I sure know a lot of people that are probably going to buy. And if you've ever been a vendor, you know this, as I'm sure you do. That $30 to $50 range is some of your most liquid cards in the entire world because it's an affordable luxury at that point where yeah. people say, I have some disposable money. I've been looking for this card. Let's go for it. I don't have to save up for it because it's not a dual land. It's not a piece of power. Mm -hmm. It's not a high-end foil. It's just a card I want. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, Quantity-wise, I mean, this is an EDH card. So multiples of one. Honestly, in this year, really big scale, mm -hmm. I wouldn't get more than an EDH set, like five tops, just because the amount of money you're having to park at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can get them for buy list of like 20, 25, I don't think there's any way you lose, even if we continue to drop for a couple of weeks. Okay. Just because, again, tax return time hits, I think this is one of the cards that sees a big uptick. Now, one of the really interesting things about this is looking at the EDH rec charts, it's only in 7% of possible decks, which yeah. being colorless is kind of a big deal. Uh, but if you look at the other cards that are in that range, you've got stuff like Dramatic Reversal, Chrome Mox, Flusterstorm, Avon Mind Sensor, Diabolic Intent, uh, cards that kind of see a little bit more play in the CEDH realm, which is very interesting because the two analogs here that I'll draw are Jeweled Lotus, which should be in literally every single commander deck that can run it, mm -hmm. uh, and Sensei's Divining Top, both of which are sitting at 7%, the exact same. Uh, it's a card that exists and has existed for a very long time. Yes. It exists at all levels, CEDH, casual. If you've played the game for any length of time, you've seen Mana Vault cast. So this isn't something where I'm expecting us to see like a content creator bump in any way. But I would not at all be surprised if we see that April bump hit. If we see a back to school, a little bit of a surge. If all of a sudden they announce a string of large EDH events similar to the EDH cons or whatever they were called. Command Fest, Command that's Fest, the one. Yep. Uh, if we get some stuff similar to that, that's another thing I could see, yep. especially as Wizard seems to cater more and more towards your casual player to try to draw them in. This is something I expect to see on top of, like I said, Quad Masters just printed it. We're at an all time high in terms of supply of this card on the marketplace. But I don't think it's long before demand gets met mm -hmm. because this is one of those 
sweet luxury items in that 30 to 50 where you know what i'm actually comfortable buying one for multiple decks and not sleeving 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 yeah yeah you know and i think that is one of the best things about it is it has that liquidity it has the ability to do that it's absolutely amazing mm -hmm. um and i i think it's just a really really good pickup it is absolutely it's monocrypt monovault jeweled lotus they all kind of hold a place in in the format in your decks if you want them to and in binders it's not like yeah. you see those cards that often because usually they are in decks and being played so to pick up you know, however many you need for your decks, and then a few extra means you should be able to move them in a couple of months in trade at a profit. And as yeah. long as you can swing that, I think it's it's perfectly fine. And it's something you need to be aware of that you can pick up this card, you can feel safe in it because there is a trend here. It is rather obvious. And this is a, a highly sought after and eminently playable card. Yeah. It, it is sensical if you can hold on to it, and if you have the ability to pick it up to move to locals, why not? Why not cherry it into something else and use it to move inventory? It's not like, like I said, it's not like these sit in every binder, so they're nice to see, for yeah. sure. On the other hand, I am going with a big dumb creature. Yeah, is it green? No, it is not, okay. for once. It's red. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, I've gone with Hellkite Charger this week after sitting on it for about seven months. And great. yeah, I, I, I saw this card a while back when I hit the CK hat list in June. They were buying it for $2. There were 106 on TCG player, uh, LP or better for three fifty two. And if you take a look at the stocks graph, that is basically kind of like the last little bump that this card saw was in market price was right there. We're kind of flat. For a while which is why i've held off and now we're seeing some market movement again which is where we are right now this is where i want to be uh as of this morning ck was buying 18 at a dollar 80 for the zendikar version and that's what i'll be talking about today not the arch enemy not the commander 2017 not modern masters 2 although i will mention them later on we are only looking at stats for the zendikar one they were buying 18 at a dollar 80 this morning Somebody filled 11 of that. They're now buying 7 at $1.35. So there are people paying attention to Card Kingdom. The fact that they were zeroed out. Card Kingdom was zeroed out on this card this morning. None for sale. None. So buy list goes down. Quantity goes down between June and now. I'm not that worried about it. I think this is a long-term look. I'll discuss yeah. that later. So when you look at this card from a commander standpoint... You know, what is it doing? And initially, it looks like this is really a Dragons-only card based on the reported data. When you take a look at Wreck, and, like, I couldn't be making this up that aside from, like, Rada, this is, like, hilariously Dragons all the way down. And this is ill. This is a really good case study in the fact that the people that submit data to Wreck are only those that want to self-report. Yeah. And when you dig in past that, this is really just a card for a deck that wants additional or infinite combat steps. That, that, that's, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at one in a suite of cards that allows, allows you to take additional combat steps and win the game that way. So when we look at the format on the whole, again, once you dig past, quote, dragons as a personality, that portion of the card, and you get to where I believe a lot of people should be on this card, it becomes a game-ending threat. So... Yeah, you can pair it with old Gnawbones for infinite combat steps. 
and stick with a double dragon theme, or you can branch out and look at Bear Umbra to untap your lands, Grand Warlord Rada for the attack trigger to generate mana, and even easier is Sword of Feastin's Famine to untap your lands and go infinite that way. This is similar to Aggravated Assault. You're just looking to end the game with combat, and that isn't unique to a scaly strategy. Yep. Just a deck that wants to turn their creatures sideways. Mm -hmm. So this type of plan appears underreported on Wreck on the whole, which makes sense as it seems to be, and I'll put this in quotes, an unsavory strategy, comboing via combat. It does not seem like people really want to do that, or if they are, they're not reporting it. Because there's nothing... How are you going to win the game otherwise? Like, how feel-bad is combat that you that people aren't doing this? Like, it's ridiculous. Or reporting it. And as we've discussed over the last few weeks, and I mentioned not too long ago, rec data only represents those that like to self-report, but the strategy of winning via multiple combat steps can be seen across a number of strategies and plans as you dive through what's going on on Wreck. So at this point, we're not looking at a dedicated strategy with this card. We're looking at more of a package, a suite of cards that represents a win con, either as the primary or backup plan for a number of agnostic generals and themes. And this suite is very tight. It's basically Hellkite Charger, Aggravated Assault, and Savage Beating. Right? Yeah. That's the Entwine one. Yep. Then there's um, there are some other stuff. It's not... Uh, that gives you one additional uh, combat step and yeah. you might lose the game but aggravated salt and hellkite charger are the two easiest ways to just take infinite combat steps there's some hokey crap that you can do with aurelia the war leader the one from gate crash by making yep. a token of it every every turn with a a uh what is it a minotaur from born of the gods yeah, that makes a token of something every combat, and it just yeah, it, it yeah. yeah, it's it's got the the uh, the tap trigger keyword yeah. from that set, right? You can do some weird hokey shit if you want. Otherwise, again, agnostic all the way down, and so there's not a lot to say about this card. This is really just kind of a visibility thing. Like this yeah. is something people are doing. It's underreported and underrepresented, but this card is moving. On the stocks graph, if you zoom in really tight, you will see there is market movement on this card. So we're looking to get ahead of the buy list correction and before TC, TCG market truly takes off. And as I've been watching this card, the CK buy list numbers tanked immediately after adding it to the hot list and only recently have started to tick up slowly. And again, it was filled, so it's going to tick down. Yeah, I expect that to end shortly as they are entirely out of stock and the open market is being drained of all copies. Across all four versions, there are approximately 321 LP and near mint listings left. Not total quantity, just that's the number of list listings left. We see that number of listings on one copy of a card a lot of times. This is yeah. across four. Now, most of these see a price correction in December, where the, the price jumps from like two to three. But the odd one out is the Arch Enemy printing. That one's actually oddly more expensive, despite the fact that it's the exact same thing. I don't quite get that one. It seemed to hit its price correction a lot earlier, and so it's stable. Everything else is trending up. Now, this does only sell about 90 copies a month at the moment across all four of those listings. That's about it. 
We're going to see the set non-foil prices, however, disappear shortly, exposing the foils as the cheapest option unless a reset happens within the next few weeks. And I don't mean that we're going to see a reset up a few dollars. This is a few cent reset. Yeah. And that should not happen, especially with a card from original Zendikar that at $4.39, or sorry, 62 cent market, that's somewhere under $5 exists the set foil for this card. And we're going to see those pop up. That shortly. is insane to me. Yeah. That the new low price will be the set foil shortly. That's where we should see this reset. It should be in the next few weeks. And once we do get to a point where the foils are the cheapest option, this card runs up to $6 rather quickly. And from there, the current price ceiling is about $8 on the card. If you just look at all the listings. Now, this is where we want to be on the card. Regardless of the fact that somebody just filled CK and that number is down. We're looking into get ahead of the reset of both the open market price and the buy list price. Because eventually when open market drains, people will go to CK looking for this card. And when they don't have this card, the buy list will go up. Yep. I think our window for decent profit opens in about three months through to six months. And that's where I'd expect to start selling this in on mass. Yeah. Now, moving them locally should yield profit before that three-month window but waiting can also make sense if you just want to stick them in a box and then take them out in a couple of months to to bring to your local events to trade these out i think that's perfectly fine you don't have to wait three you can wait closer to six but i think that is our window where we're going to start to see profit if we move in now as far as reprint equity is concerned it seems that wasi doesn't like reprinting infinite extra combo step engines like this much anymore so i believe we are rather insulated. And even if they did choose to add this to a set or yearly commander deck, I wouldn't expect that to impact our pick much. Like, I just don't see it sating the small amount of demand that currently exists. And for what it's worth, the last printing was Commander 2017. So we are like five years removed from that. Buy quantity, if I was going to move this into the open market, meaning to sell on TCG player, I'd shoot for probably two dozen of this and set on them while people fight it out to determine the right price. And I'd also pick up a few of the cheap set foils because again, it's ridiculous that they will soon be the cheapest version of this card. If I was moving them locally and to buy a list, eight would be my cap as it allows me to move them at my leisure and as I see fit, either locally or to buy a list. And it gives me some time to figure out what I want to do with them. Yeah. Now, I do have a bunch of these from the MM2 product I cracked, so I'm really only going to be looking to get into the Zendikar set foils. I don't need any more non-foils because this card was all over my MM2 packs. Yeah, I have very big regrets from opening that set. But that's this is the card that I've, I've been happy to watch for a while, and I expect to just kind of tick up from here. Yeah. I, I don't know what is taboo about comboing with combat, but once people kind of get past that, then we're off to the races. You mentioned that Monovault is not a card that really needs or really would see a content creator bump. If somebody did decide... Okay. Definitely yes. would. Yep, if somebody goes infinite combat steps with this on stream, yeah, people are moving. They're moving to Aggravated Assault, which hasn't seen a reprint in a while either, and Hellkite Charger. Actually, I don't know if Aggravated Assault... Oh, it was reprinted once. I Masterpiece. Believe. The Yu-Gi-Oh! Proxy for sure. Uh, yes, and, and I Explorers. think 2x2? No, Explorers of Ixalan. Oh, Explorers, okay, yeah. Onslaught, Secret Layer, that's the one I was thinking of. Yep. Uh, Secret Layer, Masterpiece Series, which is the Yu-Gi-Oh! one, and then Explorers of Ixalan. Yep. So 
to my point, they don't like three printing this kind of stuff. So get in while the getting's good on the on this. And if you want aggravated assault, this is the kind of thing you want to do. Go for it. But if this does show up anywhere, that's it. It's gone. There, yep. There's there's nothing sustainable about this with only 321 listings left. There aren't that many anchors. There was one vendor selling 10 Zendikar versions, and I think that was the max. Yeah, the nice thing is that this is old enough that we don't have Packfresh or someone like that that just has a ton of this yes. as a barrier. Enough time has passed yeah. that this is going to be prone to like very reactionary price points, yeah. which I think is good. Yeah. Now, one of the things I didn't take notes on and I just kind of dunked on the entire time is like, yes, Dragon players will play this card. Yeah. Yes, Dragons players will attempt to win with this card. They are a known quantity, but I do not think they really impact that much. this that much, despite what Rec wants to tell you. I think yeah. it's everybody else, the people that are playing Rada, the people that are playing, uh, there's another one, um, like, not Atali, ew, uh, Nikia of the old ways, Wolfgar, like, Agnes for just additional attack triggers. These decks that just want to keep attacking over and over and over again. They want to combo you out with combat in some way, yep. shape, or form. Either kill you, or in the case of somebody like Agnes or Rada, just generate infinite mana value for the second main phase to do something with. Like, yes, with Rada, you do need something like Omnath to kind of hold it through, but it's not that difficult to set up. No. So... This is this is the, the card I'm going with, and I'm excited to look forward to see what happens to this in like six ish six six ish months. There we are. Yeah, I expect this is going to be one of the better ones uh, that we've had recently, just because there is so much growth opportunity here, and like you said, the reprint equity. It's just not a mechanic that they seem to like. Yeah, and when when they do print something like this, they don't want it to be unconditional. It's like combat celebrant or something like yes. that is what they want to go with. Yes. Uh, and I, the other thing I don't understand, and sorry to kind of piggyback That's here, fine. when you mentioned winning, like people don't like winning by combat. Guys, what do you think Kiki Jiki is? How many decks in EDH run Kiki Jiki as a combo finisher? That's literally what this is. Yeah. It's the same thing. I, I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, if you're not playing a, a big strategy, you're not when in the game with four fours, five fives, and six sixes, like, yeah, sure, I get it. It's difficult to win with one ones and two twos or value engine yeah. your way there. But if you're gonna play some beef, like play some beef and the game yeah. and the game the way you want. Like don't dilly dally. Just make sure the game comes to a natural conclusion. That's yep. it. You don't Real easy. Yeah. So what if you take infinite combat steps? That's not infinite turns. The game doesn't turn into being all about you. You end the game on the spot, you shuffle up, you play the next one. Fun. You don't have to show me the win. You've just got it. Yep, yeah, you got it, dude. You killed us all. <laughs> exactly. Congrats. And then you move on. So that's where I am for this week. You got anything else? I got nothing. All right. So next week we will be back, and I believe we are going to be actually doing our 2023 look forward to kind of piggyback off this episode. So until then, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you yep. want to reach us on Twitter, you are? At Thirsty Sizzler for now. That's fair. I am at Halt. I am Reptar, and we'll see you next week.